BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your host, Dane Alves, of the show Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, the wacky wrestling show where we talk about the news, the latest and the greatest, if you will, of wrestling news from the previous week, uh, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, and man, do we have a lot to go over, so I'm just going to go right into introductions already, uh, introducing my co-host, the amazing Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? Oh, shit. Thanks for putting me over, man. I don't know about amazing, but uh, I, I like to say I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you doing tonight? Jeez, you can't even take a fucking compliment. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm doing great. Uh, I thought I was on mute. Sorry. Um, but, uh, seriously, I wanted to apologize ahead of time, guys. I, I misplaced my really good headphones. And I have the, the, the headset that I've gotten positive and negative feedback. It doesn't sound as good as what I'm trying to say. So I'm probably going to have to re-up by uh, Monday with Monday Suck. A little cheap plug right there. 5 p.m. We talk about everything. Sometimes wrestling, but everything. Movies, politics, whatever. Uh, but I probably need to get that by next Monday or definitely by the next show on Wednesday for Wrestling Alliance. Either way. Like I said, I apologize if I don't sound as beautiful as I normally do. Just follow my voice, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I want to, uh, at the top of the show, give a heads up that I hope uh, Mickey James has a speedy recovery with her knee surgery. She's going to be out uh, six to eight months. Um, and uh, 
heard about Jeff Hardy. I'm not a tabloid type of fucking person. Uh, the situation, public intoxication, getting arrested, getting found drunk, passed out. Hope him a speedy recovery in his own way and uh, wrestling compliance. Um, just hopes the best for all of our favorite wrestlers in the past. And uh, let's move on to a lot of stuff to talk about, Chris. Are you excited? Yeah, man. Uh, let's see, like 30 to 40 hours of wrestling later. <laughs> we'll oh, my God, man. I, I've retained. <laughs> so, so really, this weekend, if you're someone that really wants to cover it or, or a big fan itself, like, you know, the diehard wrestling fans that me and Chris are, um, you had two G1 tournament specials, uh, day two and three, uh, both three hours, maybe four, uh, plus AEW, plus Evolve's 10th anniversary, and then to end it all with Extreme Rules. And I will say that the bigger, biggest winner out of all those choices was us as fans because there's a bunch of fucking awesome wrestling. And it would be great. And fucking fans had that perspective with wrestling um, instead of just nitpicking and dribbling everything down. I thought everyone had a awesome pay-per-view. New Japan was at the top of my list because of the wrestling. That's what I get into the most. Uh, Extreme Rules might have been second, then AEW, and probably Evolve, but I don't really know if how much more than the other. Uh, the thing with Evolve is not saying it was the worst, but for me, I just didn't, you know, until the last couple of matches, I didn't know a lot of the guys so I just didn't have as much investment, I guess I should say. But all of them were great pay-per-views and a lot of fun to watch, a lot of great wrestling. Try to get that USC thing in, man. Did not work out too well, you know? Oh, God. I got, what I are got, you going to do? I, got, I think I got two two or three matches from the card in, but, jeez, dude, it was, it was a lot. And uh, every time I would start trying to watch UFC – kind of on recap, it seemed like there was something I missed and I'd have to go back and either watch a, you know, I guess I started watching it and then I had New Japan to watch like almost immediately after uh, when Night 3 posted knowing uh, what that card was and how exciting that card was going to be. And uh, yeah, kind of the same. I need to rewatch UFC. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to talk about that on Monday. Suck, I guess. Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully, but just a lot of shit. And, and if you include, if you, you know, we're not even throwing in uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown on top of that. And uh, I'm sure there's some other wrestling that we missed <laughs> during this time period. But Jesus, man, um, lots of good wrestling. I, I tend to agree with you. My favorite, I think, was uh, was Night Two, I believe it was, or Night Three of the G1. Yeah, that was my favorite thing I watched all weekend. Um, but all of it was really good. There's not a whole lot to complain about. Um, I wouldn't even say Evolve was the weakest show. It's, it's more like what you said. There was some guys on the card that I didn't know as much about. But uh, for the most part, all the matches were really, really good, especially – they did a good job of telling us about each person um, to the best of their ability in such a, a, a low-formatted show. It was – you know, each of these shows were close to three hours, and uh, – I'm going to try my best to remember everything and remember my favorite stuff, but I'm uh, definitely going to be flipping back and forth through some of these results uh, right, off, right off hand, just giving everyone a heads up. I'm just giving everyone a, head, a heads up, too. I want to thank Uprox for this episode because you guys supplied us with all these reviews so we can kind of go over them. So I really appreciate that. Good website if you want information about wrestling. Um, I'm, I'm just yeah. in my notes. 
So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. We'll we'll cross. I don't have notes. I just there's so much of this stuff, guys. I'm gonna be honest with you too. If we get to day three of of the G1, I kind of remember that in fragments. That's how bad it was. It my my brain became mush uh, by the end of the weekend, and then Raw and SmackDown happens. But we'll get to that. Speaking about Raw, Chris, next week for some friggin' reason. Well, the rumor is that this is originally planned for um, SmackDown for when it, either they, the first night on Fox or when they have their 25th, I believe, uh, reunion special. But they decide to just do this randomly out of nowhere next Monday, and they're calling it the Raw reunion. Um, very interesting list of people. I'm going to list off all of them. We'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about one of the names that got invited that turned it down and the significance of that story itself. Uh, but – the Boogeyman, who's going to be in like one segment probably. Um, no, no shit at Boogeyman. I'm just saying that's what he did last time. Uh, Boogeyman, Booker T, Christian, Devon Dudley, Eric Bischoff, The Godfather, Hulk Hogan, brother, Hurricane Helms, Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Hart, Kelly Kelly, Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, Mark Henry, Mick Foley, Ric Flair, woo, Rikishi, Road Dog, Ron Simmons, Satino Marella, Scott Hall, Sean Waltman, Sergeant Slaughter, Shawn Michaels, Sid Vicious, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ted DiBiase, and Triple H. And to let everyone know, uh, it's not Sean Waltman, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. It's Diesel, Razor Ramon, and, and Xbox. So you better fucking remember that. That's what their names are <laughs> in WWE. Uh, but I'm just giving you the official list, but that's what WWE's uh, – they, they don't exist outside of WWE. That's the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good list. I think that the, the three biggest, obviously, are Flair, Austin, and Hogan. But there's still a lot of uh, big guys that are going to be – I mean, all these are going to be small segments. It's just what is this going to do for the talent there is Paul Heyman, if he is in charge – we don't really know his how much – you know, he was in charge of Raw. I'm assuming he was completely in charge of Raw, but apparently last week he wasn't. And the week before, when all of us thought he was, he kind of had uh, part involvement. Like, it was his ideas, but it was still, he was not in control of it. Uh, We know that Eric has not started with SmackDown at all lately. So, you know, if Paul, I'm saying, is in control of Monday Night Raw, maybe this will be another one that they wait for him uh, to completely take control of if he hasn't already. Um, Will he use this as an opportunity to try to get some of those smaller guys over? Or are we just going to see like a variety show with a bunch of fucking older celebrities? And that's, it's just going to be like a way to try to, you know, get the ratings. I mean, is, is, is that the, uh, the end game, if you will, Chris? So from what I've heard, this was actually pitched by the USA network and not necessarily pitched by WWE. So this was like kind of a network thing. They called and said, like, hey, why don't we do this? It'll help boost the ratings. I know you guys have been going through a decline. And uh, that is where this spawned from. I believe Dave talked about it uh, from a couple other sources that I kind of tend to believe that this might have been something USA pushed. The big name and the one that we haven't seen in a while uh, is Austin. And the last time I think we saw him in a WWE ring is when he did the spot with New Day, and it was him, Mick Foley, and HBK, and – I believe like Xavier Woods just took all of their finishes in a row, if I recall, and that was on pay-per-view. This is the first time we've seen he him was, in the wall, so maybe tough enough. He was at 
No, he was at the Raw, the the big one, whatever the fuck it was, maybe the 100th. Uh, he came out right at the beginning, didn't say anything, and Stone Cold stunned uh, Shane and uh, Vince and then left. That was like the last yeah, so, time, though. That was that was uh, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, so that, that, yeah I mean, to me, it, was, it was WrestleMania. Yeah, so like to me, he's probably the biggest name. Um, he also has a show on USA, so I don't know how much that played into it. You're going to have Austin running around driving cars over shit. I can't remember what it's uh, what that show is called, but I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's just Austin and random people uh, doing redneck shit, which is which is cool. I'll be into watching that, but uh, yeah, I think it's part promoting that, and then also you know having Austin back right when you're setting Kevin Owens off, uh, you're probably going to see something there where Kevin gets a little bit of a rub from Stone Cold. The rest of these guys are interesting. Oh, yeah. I, hey. I think. Well, just 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 stopping right there because I mean I think probably I'm assuming both of our minds are on this. I'm assuming there's going to be some type of segment involved where both it's both McMahon's Vince and Shane, and then KO and Stone Cold show up and stun both guys is what I'm assuming they're going to do. Just playing off of how they're building KO. Yeah, for sure. I think you're you're definitely going to see something like that. There, a lot of these guys are going to be used in different segments, talk segments and stuff. Um, for the most part, I you know I don't expect to see some spots out of Hogan in the ring, for instance. Uh, yeah, you know you're gonna get the DX comedy probably thrown in with those guys all together. It is gonna be a bit more of a variety show. Uh, I think the biggest thing is you know if if Kevin Owens is gonna be your next guy, that's the big spot. Him and him and Stone Cold is probably the thing that you're looking for. I just hope it's not overdone because it's gonna be very easy for Stone Cold to outshine anyone on that show when he hasn't been seen in a really long time. <laughs> so hopefully they keep it keep it simple. Um, and that's also the problem with some of these shows with bringing these big stars back is is making sure they're out, not outshining your current stars. Uh, in a lot of ways, so like you said, uh, you know, Boogeyman's going to be him scaring someone, like just a bunch of variety stuff. Like Santino Morella is going to be doing a joke thing. Maybe he uh, wins the twenty four seven title and then loses it immediately. I can see something like that. Uh, oh my God! You then, know what I would love is if Hornswoggle, who's not announced, but he, I mean he was at the Royal Rumble. Hornswoggle's there and actually wins the 24-7 title, and our and truth actually pins Hornswoggle for the 24-7 title. I think that'd be hilarious if we're going to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. I, mean, that's I, definitely I, I like that title way more so than I should. I mean, it's sad to the point where they're, they're doing such a great job making that such a funny bit that I like it more than the IC title and the U.S. title, or the fucking Universal title for that matter. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a good segment to get a lot of those guys in, and then you're just going to put you know DX and WO all together in one segment. So hopefully we still get a good amount of wrestling, um, but it is going to be more a, of a specialty variety show for people that want to see those stars um, more than more than anything else, for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before we move on, there was um, interesting um, uh, just statement basically, and, and I'll just tell you, Jim Ross was invited by Vince. He turned it down, and he tweeted about it, and. Uh, because some are asking, I was cordially invited to attend Raw Reunion by Vince McMahon, but I politely refused. Tony Khan left it up to me. Nonetheless, I hope the Raw Reunion is a rating success. Jared Grilling escapes uh, Thursday a.m. Well, he's just promoting a show, which is awesome, by the way. If you're not listening to Grilling JR, you're missing out uh, with him and Conrad. 
But, you know, he kind of went into detail about this uh, to uh, that guy that has the three names. It's really good at interviews, and I always fucking forget his name. Uh, but anyways, he um, he just elaborated and was like, you know, this was – Tony said that, you know, allowed to be me, but I was the one who just decided that I couldn't make it. I, I, for whatever reason, JR doesn't want to do it, but it had nothing to do with Tony. He said, you know, go for it. Jared didn't make it sound like he was just trying to say that to make Tony sound good. He, you know, he sounded pretty damn sincere. So that's, that's awesome to see where Tony's priorities are, you know, when it comes to the whole entire thing. Because, Chris, I think that people forget that recently Jericho was an interview I listened to this week. So was JR. So was, um, if it wasn't Cody, it was someone to that level where all three of them specifically said, we're not trying to compete with WWE. We want to be an alternative product for other people and see what we can do. And I really think that that shows the difference in perspective with Tony compared to Vince right now, who's like, we're going for war. Let's get my generals. You know, um, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I mean, I think some of that is bullshit and that they definitely <laughs> are going to battle WWE. And if I was Jim Ross, I wouldn't come on that show either knowing that you're their lead announcer for the competition in any way or shape or form, because for all you know, you're going to show up and they're going to want you to do something super fucking stupid. And <laughs> the fact that Tony Khan would even give him the opportunity to do it, if that is true, it's super nice thing to do, but I'm not buying into like Jericho and them saying they're not competition when you, you know, Cody basically cut a promo on them at the end of fight for the fallen. So you can continue to pitch it however they want. Maybe they're doing that in kayfabe. Uh, during their shows or whatever, but like, legitimately, you're going head. You're not going head to head against them, but you are going. You know, each week you're going to have a live show. Wallet to wallet. Uh, in some aspects, while they're you're not going against them, you are going against them. That's like Vince saying the XFL is not going to be comp. Like, is not trying to go against the NFL. In some ways, it is. It means that you see something there that's going to make you money that is different than the competition. And whether you're just saying, well, it's different, it's not the same thing, you're still going against them because they're not going away. Uh, so I, I, they've said that statement multiple times, but then we still get Cody doing stuff like breaking the throne and, and cutting these indirect promos <laughs> against Triple H. Uh, Whatever. I mean, that part's or, irrelevant. I mean, if, I, if I was Jim Ross, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go anyways because, like I said, they're going to ask him to do something stupid. And if you watch, well, that, people that's that are what I'm saying. This company, you know, think about badass Billy Gunn. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame. That was awesome. He was part of DX, and then Triple H slammed fucking AEW, called him a pissant company. You know, right next to him. So there is some level of like. You know, uh, AEW, they might say stuff, but obviously there has to be bigger vision. Um, Jim Ross just says it straight out. He kind of, like, complimented WWE by completely throwing under the bus of the XFL because he was like, he's like, AEW is not competition to WWE. He goes, that, that's that's ridiculous. It's a multi-billion dollar company. Like, they're, they're, they're there, basically. He goes, he goes, it's like saying that even if XFL is successful – that they're going to be competition to fucking NFL. There's no fucking way. They're too big of a company. So that's a way that – that's the difference between Jim Ross saying it and someone like Chris Jericho or Tony Khan where it seems like they're definitely playing politics, where it seems like JR is kind of just you know, old and 
saying what Jr. says on interviews. Which yeah, those, those, those <laughs> Moscow mules. I mean, I mean, like I said, my big thing is like, <coughs> why would you go there? Because you risk the chance of them burying you. Like, it's a yeah. live show. What are you gonna do? Like, fuck that. I mean, I guess you could sue them after the fact, but that's. It's not even worth him going there. And when he last time he was there, it's not like they did a whole lot with him. Um, and they're no, not he, having he any. Uh, about I, it. I, he was just fucking sitting tell, there at the Manhattan Center with with uh, Jerry the King Lawler in the dark most of the damn time because they had like three matches at that thing. Yeah. So, to me, uh, good call on Jr. I, w- I wouldn't have went either. And that's not saying like he doesn't deserve to be there for this reunion show. It's more just. You know he's still he's still actively calling matches for this other company, and there's no sense of him going there and potentially getting buried. Which, if you look at anyone who is potentially thinking about leaving WWE and how they've been treated, um, I definitely wouldn't want to be the guy that left and then came back for a reunion show necessarily. Uh, the one the one big thing I'll say out of this that I think is really cool. Uh, it's exciting to see Psycho Sid back. Last time he was there, he absolutely murdered <laughs> Heath Ledger. So I'm hoping to see him powerbomb someone. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a cool ad that I wouldn't have expected for a reunion show. Oh, man. Um, how about uh, Drake Maverick can get powerbombed by Psycho Sid? That'd be great. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's start reviewing this stuff, man. We're going to have to go over this whole entire thing. Let's over this pre-show for AEW Fight for the Fallen uh, taking place over in Jacksonville a wonderful show uh, to raise money for um, gun violence in Jacksonville um, some of the stuff that happened with the, the Madden shooting uh, so proceeds went from this from the, from the gate uh, towards that cause and it was free for all of us to enjoy off of Bleacher Report which is fucking I'm sure there's a lot of people logged in to watch, but my God, like, I don't know if it happened to you, Chris, but I was watching, like, some of those matches, they were, like, just popping out, like, just, you know, just the whole entire time. So that was really cool. But uh, either way, hey, it happens. So we started it off with uh, Sonny Kiss going against Peter Avalon. Uh, really enjoyed Sonny's um, entrance with the uh, cheerleaders from the, from the Jaguars. Thought that was really cool. Uh, she the whole dance, um, the whole, I, I don't get the librarian thing, you know, Leva Bates is really trying hard. It doesn't seem like Peter Avalon is as sold on the gimmick. Um, but either way, uh, ultimately Sunny Kiss pinned, uh, Avalon with a split leg, uh, drop that, uh, Sunny does. And, uh, that was it. Uh, how, how did you like this first match, Chris, with Sunny Kiss and Peter Avalon? It was fine. I mean, it was kind of a nothing match. I don't care for the librarian gimmick at all. Hopefully this was kind of just killing it off on the pre-show. Um, I, you know, the finish was okay. This well, it, this match wasn't anything to write home about, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. But I, I think that Sunny Kiss is a, really, is a star. I'll, I'll definitely say the highlight uh, she was highlighted in this. It also highlighted the fact that the librarian gimmick is not working, like we both just said. But uh, Sonny, uh, I, I liked hearing um, that apparently Dustin Rhodes is working with her a lot, uh, that he's taking a personal interest and in trying to, like, help her out. I think um, I think it's, I think Xbox only said that. 
God, I listen to way too many wrestling podcasts. Um, either well, way, I mean, uh, what, one thing before we move on from that match is I'm not a, I, I will say I'm not a huge fan of intergender matches, but coming off of, of you know, Tessa versus um, Sammy Callahan, this is a very, very weak way to do one on, on your show. Oh, Sonny's actually uh, a male. I thought this was Leva versus – god damn it. I'm thinking of a different match. Never mind. Yeah, this is Sonny versus Peter, the uh, the male librarian. But um, – God damn it. What am I thinking of? Apologies. Um, hold on. Uh, I'm wrong. Uh, this is the one – okay, this is the one. Hold on. My notes are jacked up. All right, so this is the one where he hits the fucking uh, – the twerk salt at the end of the yeah. match. Yeah, okay. Okay. He yeah. Always, Apologies. I mixed up yeah. two different matches. One was from uh, another show. One was from a uh, recent house show that, it, uh, for whatever reason, I had notes on. Yeah, this match was okay, but I like not behind the librarian gimmick at all. I, I mixed up two names on my uh, results. Sorry about that. That uh, the, the finish he hit is something that Christy Hemme used to do, by the way. Um, just a little different. Oh like he did it from the rope. I completely forgot Christy Hemi even existed. She just popped in my head. Thank you, Chris. She's a very, very beautiful yeah. woman. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm back on track now. <laughs> Fuck me. So much, so much wrestling, man. You made like an intergender match in your head. It was crazy. Um, yeah. But uh, Bia Priestley and oh god, Shoko Nakajima. Went against Britt Baker and Rio, and um, they ended up winning. Um, I will say, I don't think, you know, it was her fault. I, I like the look of Bea Priestley. Um, I like that they said that her favorite, her biggest influence is Chris Jericho. Um, and, you know, saying a big name like that right before I get to, like, see a person definitely puts that type of, you know, that I look towards that and, it, it, it just seemed like the other ladies were doing a lot in this match, but uh, wow, both Riho and, and Shoko were fucking awesome. Uh, just uh, just going 100 miles an hour. So was uh, Britt Baker. Uh, we had a scary spot though. Uh, everyone was wondering why Britt was trying to tag in the opposite team. Uh, she actually suffered a concussion in the match, and um, we didn't. They didn't find out out obviously until afterwards. But uh, that's that's why and. Uh, uh, Nakajima pinned Riho after a step-up Hurricane Rana. The teams brawled briefly after the match. Um, you know, it was it was a uh, fun uh, women's tag match. That little mix-up happened, obviously, with Britt. She had a concussion. But I think the uh, definitely the Japanese women looked really good in this, Chris. Yeah, I agree. And I think they looked really good on the last show as well. Rio, I believe, uh, to me, is a star. Um the only downside is I think she's only like four foot ten, four foot eleven or something. Um, but she reminds me a little bit of like how Shayna Baszler works in the ring. Um, there's definitely some a little bit of grind and stuff to to her abilities. Um, really good match. It just, the tag spot was kind of scary. You could tell that that uh, Bree was was a little bit or Britt was a little bit out of it, and the crowd definitely. Like just almost buried her for it. 
and they were able to pull out of that, though. The match was a little bit uh, – it got a little sloppy in different sections, but overall I thought this was a really good match, and I, I want to see more of Rio for sure and, and uh, Shoko as well. Uh, did, I, did I screw up that much? Did I say Shoko? I don't think I did, but uh, yeah, they were both Shoko really Nakajima, good. Shoko Nakajima, this was a this yeah the Shoko Nakajima and Brie Presley versus no 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 Brie, I, I thought I pronounced your name wrong. I, I I'm pretty sure I did, but that's that's how you pronounce it, everyone. Shoko. Um, I got the Nakajima part right. I don't know how the heck I yeah you, up that you, name. Anyways, yeah, I like you got the the harder part right though. <laughs> <laughs> that one's that one's not as as hard to me. Uh, for some reason, Shoko. I don't know. Maybe I didn't even say it wrong. Let's go into the main card. Um, this three on three tag match. Uh, basically, the hardcore baby faces going against the dickbag heels. We had MJF, Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears going against Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. Uh, I mean, this match actually was really fun, and I enjoyed a majority of everything. But the thing I remember the most was Joey Janela being on the outside. Camera goes to him, and he goes, fuck you, Jim Cornette, and flips off the camera. Camera goes back to the other. <laughs> Fucking Joey Janela. Hey, Joey, I'm sure you didn't get shit just now from Tony Khan about getting in a fucking – trying to get in a fist fight with Enzo Amore at a goddamn Blink-182 show in Jersey. Uh, but that was hilarious. Uh, the match was, like I said – Really good. They never really explained MJF and Sean Spears why the hell MJF would do that, but they kind of showed you in the match them not getting along. Um, I really like Sammy. I thought Sean was good. A lot of people had a problem with Danny Havoc. Uh, not Darby Allen. I don't know why I said Danny Havoc. That's the lead singer of AFI. Uh, Darby Allen getting pinned by Sean Spears, but I get it because. Now Sean can say that the person that took Cody to a draw, he beat. That's the whole thing. So I get that. It kind of sucks that Darby had to lose. They probably could have gone a different way. But either way, I like the way that since the heels wouldn't work with each other and it kept on getting worse and worse, but it didn't actually end up having a DQ to the match. Like, uh, you know, I just thought this was a solid match, showed off all the guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. I watch him on MLW. I've watched him on Impact. I've seen so much of him. I'm just not – it's not I'm not a fan of, of his wrestling. I just don't get Jimmy Havoc at all. And I, I he just looks like a weird janitor um, sort of. But, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to show so much shade. Cause he, he, he knows what he's doing in the ring, but I've seen a lot more stuff where it seems like he's if he has a stapler gun, he's way more good to go. And the two guys with him that are also known for crazy stuff like that, or someone like a Sammy Callahan, seem to have a little bit more going as a full package other than the hardcore legend himself, Jimmy Havoc. But Sammy Guevara, man, I think he's going to be a star. And MJF, once again, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and MJF stood out the most in this match. They did great. Thank you for Joey for saying fuck you, Jim Cornette. Uh, I love Jim Cornette, but that was still hilarious. I'm sure – Hey, man, you just hopped out his podcast because you know he's going to say something about it. Anyways, Chris, what did you think about this match? I, I saw uh, there's one spot in this match where uh, Excalibur mentions the fact that Janela tried to get into a fight with with uh, your boy Enzo, Enzo Amore. He, I think he calls him the absolute scum of the earth, which I laughed about for quite a bit. I thought this was a really good match, especially as an opener. Um 
to me, MJF and, and Darby Allen stood out the most. I thought they were the biggest stars in this match. Uh, Sean Spears, I get, I get exactly why he would have gotten the pin over Darby because now you set up a match between uh, Sean and Darby because Cody is going to be tied up in the tag tournament more than likely, I'm assuming. So it kind of makes sense, right? So maybe you announce something for the uh, the upcoming pay per view that's just you know Darby versus Sean Spears. Which could be interesting itself. I think they'll have a really good match. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I I didn't know what to think about it before, but I think that Sean's doing a good job. Well, I mean, we've only seen like a little bit of it, but of being a heel, especially since he was so driven into our face as that perfect ten baby face. So it's uh, quite interesting. But yeah, you're definitely set up a stage for Darby Allen and MJF to show off the most, and I think we'll actually see a feud with the two of them. Uh, pretty soon in the future, I would say. Um, they kicked out Bailey from the audience. He was sitting next to private party. It was it was a it was a cute joke. Then we had Brandy Rhodes come out. Uh, she was going against Allie. So if you watch uh, fight fight for the fallen, like the build up with all the videos on YouTube, uh, Brandy kind of she put out this very vulnerable video. Uh, you know, promo of her talking about her life with, I believe, either figure skating or dancing. It was one or the other. But just her, how she wanted to be, basically pushing herself to be a perfectionist about it, would psych herself out when it came to the day of the big competition and would always screw up. And she felt the same way with wrestling. And she felt that some fans didn't really think of her as a wrestler and she was trying to get better. And I know this is something, you know, that there was a lot of seriousness to it. But the way that they were able to take that seriousness and have Allie respond to it and say, like, let's just have a good competition, like, you know, and, and make amends. And then you get to this, and it's all – that was all legitimate, but now it's all swerved because Brandy has leverage. She has leverage as an awesome Kong. And the match wasn't brilliant or anything like that, but the entertainment value of, of that added, you know, she's going to be one of your primary heels. If anyone thought that Brandy wasn't going to inherit kind of those Stephanie qualities – it's it's gonna happen. I mean, I don't I don't think she's trying to like pretend it anymore. At least for now, um, she now she has a chance to become a better in ring performer, but that's up to her. And she they had a fine match, but it wasn't about that. It was about the showdown of showdowns afterwards, when you know they were beating the crap out of Allie and and Aja Kong came out, the mentor to Awesome Kong. And they had a stare down and said some stuff to each other. And obviously that's pivoting towards a match between the two Kongs, which is something that people were talking about wanting from the first fucking pay-per-view. Chris, I'm sure you were really excited about his face-off. What do you think about the match? And what do you think about the possibility of seeing Austin Kong go against Aja Kong in the future of AEW? So I think they've done a really good job of, uh, uh, like you said, of making Brandy seem very likable going into the match, almost like a sympathetic baby face. And then her coming out with awesome Kong immediately turned that more of the problem I have with her character on the show is that she's immediately, you know, at the end of this thing, when they do the charity thing, she is there as, with all of the other baby faces or who I would consider baby faces in the company right now with jungle boy and Luchasaurus and, uh, you know, Hangman page and, and Kenny Omega and those guys, like, she doesn't need to be there if she's playing a Hill character. But obviously this was just to build the match between Aja and Awesome, which I think is amazing. Aja is the most over person 
<laughs> in my heart on this show because <laughs> every time I see her, I pop so hard. It's the same thing as last time. And as soon as I think we saw, like, you know, they were in two separate matches on uh, the first pay-per-view, which I, like, the name is slipping my mind right now. Was it uh, Double or Nothing, right? Uh, they they were in two separate matches, and I was like, God, I wish they were in the same match. So at least they're going to pay us off with that, and it's going to be amazing, like, those two beat the shit out of each other. Aja to me looks better, or in her match, looked better in the ring than Awesome Kong did. And I know Awesome Kong's had a bunch of injuries and, is not the same as she used to be, but I'm sure that they're going to be able to tell us a great story and have an awesome match. And I'm interested to see where they go with Brandy Rhodes from here. I just, if if she is going to be a heel or this uh, kind of fake nice authority figure, which I'm fine with, I just, I don't necessarily need to see her at every one of these in, I mean, they're basically doing an in show at the end of each of these um, tapings or, or pay-per-views where everyone comes out, I don't think she needs to be a part of that necessarily if she is playing more of a heel character. Yeah, um, I, I I do agree. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens, though, uh, with both situations. Brandy, you know, if if her and Allie will now have a few going from this and then also between Awesome Kong and Aja Kong, I'll have to wait. Uh, next match, I thought was was good. Um, I have kind of like with Jimmy Havoc, uh, we had Angelico and Jack Evans uh, against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy against the Dark Order, which is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. I don't get the Dark Order. I thought a couple of the moves that they did, the Super Smash Bros., whatever the fuck their name is, they were cool, but and, and one of them's really athletic, but they look kind of ridiculous, and they're trying to come off like they're I don't know, The Undertaker, I guess, or so, something. Uh, they have a bunch of minions, uh, those little, uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, God dang it. Um, putties from Power Rangers. That's what it seems like. Uh, the little ending thing was cool. I will give them that, but uh, I don't know. I wish that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy got this, and they were so over throughout the match. Uh, inevitably, the Dark Order won the match, but what are you going to do? Angelica and Jack Evans need to get better costumes. They look like Bailey's little inflatable guys. Uh, fucking chilling. What did you think about this match, Chris? <laughs> I thought Jack Evans and Angelica were probably the best two workers in the match to me. I thought they had some of the cool spots. Um, that being said, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were fucking over shit. Like, they're the most over two people on this entire show. Specifically Luchasaurus. I think he was, like, more over than Kenny Omega. Um, and and that's not me being facetious. Like he was fucking way over uh, the Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt coming out with him. I think just helps put him more over. It's a great little gimmick. The uh, boy and his dinosaur. Um, I kind of thought that might be the case going in. I feel the same way about Dark Order, and I think the problem is the crowd has no fucking idea who they are, and they haven't done a good job like really explaining their characters and why people are, why they have these acolytes that are following them around. Um, but this was a really fun match, and it was awesome. Like, Luchasaurus had some great spots at the end. I like him just just using Marco's stunt as a weapon at one point. Uh, I think – well, God, who did he throw? He, he just tossed stunt on Angelico at one point. Uh, I also thought it was cool that they didn't uh, just immediately call for a DQ when stunt got involved, and I think that points to what AEW is going to be looking at doing. 
where it's going to have to be something very, very extreme for them to call for a DQ. So I, I also liked seeing that. And uh, it, it's, uh, I guess, the winner is getting a bye, right, of this match? That I believe so, yes. Okay. So that's going to be interesting to see where how that tag team builds out. I, I don't know, you know, who's going to be fighting who in the tournament, but hopefully they get Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy in the tournament itself. I think that would be great to, for those two to win and go up against the Young Bucks. I think that would be a, a lot of fun to see. I'm really looking forward to Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I never thought I'd say that sentence because it sounds ridiculous, but uh, really cool, really cool pairing. And hey, I like I like uh, Redemption because I was listening to uh, Xbox uh, 1360, uh, his podcast, and he was talking about, he goes, you know, I really like them, man. They they remind me of me and Kane, and I, I think I said that to you like two days ago, uh, how it kind of reminds me of that type of pairing where Kane as the baby face would always like team with X-Pac at first, or Hurricane, or RVD, or Dan O'Brien, always like a smaller guy to work off of him, and uh, they kind of have that feel, and I, and I dig it. Uh, Dark Order, I'll have to get used to. I think Jack Evans and Angelica are both incredible wrestlers. Marco something kind of did rub me the wrong way because I, I thought that the ref actually meant to be in another place, but he accidentally saw it. So I was like, oh, fuck it. But, you know, kind of like how you're putting it, 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 it can make sense if that's the way they're going. Maybe I'm just wired to WWE because New Japan, they're much more loose about it. Um, you know, what exactly is a DQ? So maybe that's the way they're going. But either way, uh, good tag match. Uh, next, we had a match that I didn't really understand why it happened. Like, uh, Kip was on commentary, the pay-per-view before, barely said anything. Um, and I didn't understand why the guy that won the match to go against Chris Jericho had to go in a match against Kip Sabian. Like, they didn't really explain that. I understand that he beat Sammy Guevara, but hey, whatever. They were in a match together. Uh, Kip had a pretty damn good promo uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, or maybe it was on the pre-show actually about it. Uh, but after a quick flurry of pinning reversals, Page hit the right of passage on Sabian for the three count. And afterwards, someone dressed in a Black Order skull mask uh, was there, and I love how they're like, "Who is that? Is that a part of the Black Order?" No, it's fucking Chris Jericho. None of those guys look that buff at all. So. Like, all those guys are, like, small, thin, you know, <laughs> or out of shape. And then you have this guy that's, like, basically bulging out of the fucking mask. Of course, Chris Jericho. I love how – and, I mean, I, we're supposed to play along, obviously. But I love how everyone, you know, it's until he fucking does his uh, finisher, like, oh, my God, that's Chris Jericho. Like, yeah, no shit. Uh, but, yeah, he kicked the crap out of Paige. He actually was explaining this. He wore sneakers. He didn't even think about it instead of his uh, wrestling boots, and he fucking, that's how he gave Paige the black eye and, like, scuffed him up, basically, because he had sneakers on. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. Uh, so Jericho hit the Judas effect on Paige, leaving him all bloodied a mess. How'd you like this match? I mean, I thought the match itself was, was okay. Um it's not the best page match I've seen. It, it, the crowd didn't believe that Kip Sabian was going to win at all at any point during this match, just because he has a title match against Jericho. And, uh, you know, the, the end, obviously it was Jericho. Uh, one other thing that I'll point out is they did a, a 10 count instead of a 20 count, which at the, the double or nothing, they, it was a, it was a 20 count. And that kind of bothered me. Like I, I, I need them to, 
release the rules or something so I know what's going on from match to match. Um, because there was a spot where, and it could just be Sabian came in too quickly and the ref, you know, just sold it or what, but, uh, that was a little weird, but outside of that, I mean, the match, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought the commentary was really good on it, but it wasn't anything special, uh, to be completely honest. And the, and the fans don't seem like they're completely behind hangman page right now. Yep. I, I, I will completely agree with you on that actually. And that's, uh, that's unfortunate, but yeah, I, I feel the same way even, I mean, there's a lot of good, big people on this roster, especially as, like, big names. And I'm definitely pointing more towards Chris Jericho winning the title, being the first AEW champion. I think that makes a lot more sense with their TV deal than trying Hangman right off the bat. And that doesn't say that, that he doesn't have potential to get to that point, but he definitely needs to, you know, uh, earn it more almost. And, and not saying he oh. hasn't, but you know what I'm saying. Like, for AEW yeah. specifically as a brand – he needs to earn it uh, as a baby face. And for people like Chris Jericho and Pentagon and Kenny Omega, like those names are part of your fucking thing. You know, I'm just saying, like, I love Hangman, but, but what were you going to say? I, I have one more note on this match that I made in giant letters, which was uh, – or giant, giant caps, which is Hangman Page's fucking music sucks. Sounds like a 1980s jobber named like Bob Dallas or something. Like, get, give the guy some better music. Um, I felt like, like that a, was outside of Moxley you know, and Cody. I don't like pretty much anyone's music. I think that they're all just generic as hell. Yeah, I, I think Dustin's was pretty good, but yeah, there's yeah, a lot Dustin's of like Kenny's good. isn't great. I just I don't know, man. Like I know they're trying to do a Western theme with him, but. I don't get they the do licensing rights from like the Tombstone song or something. Like I know he's the Hangman, but come up with something cooler. Like it's like I said, it I sounded think, like a dude, like an NWA jobber. If he got an entrance, yeah. We, we, we talked about this. Uh, Page needs a new gimmick. I think. I think that he could use some repackaging. I think that if he's going to be the head babyface, he shouldn't have Stan Hansen's gimmick. I don't know how that makes. A lot of sense. I, you, can be, you can be the cowboy. I understand James Storm's done it. Um, but James Storm, pretty damn good heel. Terry Funk's done it. Terry Funk, pretty good heel. He is supposed to be your fucking, your, your baby face. Your, that's what they all position him as, like the number one baby face to build a company behind. And it's like, I just don't know if the gimmick serves the purpose right. Am, am I crazy for thinking that? No, not at all. And, and I don't I mean, it doesn't help if you have like right off the bat, I think you have jobber entrance music. Like that's not yeah. a good way to get me behind you. I know it's a little thing and I know I know that Hangman is a great wrestler. I watched him in New Japan, watched him in Ring of Honor, but right now, as it goes with uh AEW, he he's done nothing to really stand out to me as a top guy, especially watching people like MGF and Darby Allen kind of build their characters into who they've been in the exactly. product or someone like Luchasaurus, like blowing up and looking like a huge star. Hangman just looks like a guy right now. And and there's ways they can change that and go about that and fix that. Part of it is, you know, if he has a really good feud with Jericho um, once they get on TV or has a really, really good match with Jericho, I think that'll help a lot. But the entrance music and a few other things they can change for sure. I agree. Uh, let's move on to two guys that I think should be eventually in the singles division, even though they're an amazing tag team, the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon 
Jr. and Phoenix won against SoCal Uncensored, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian with Christopher Daniels, of course, in their corner. Um, but, yeah, the Lucha uh, Brothers, they gave them the win on this. Uh, I think me and you were kind of debating on what they were going to do because even though it was AAA, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix got their titles back. So if you're looking at the whole win-loss, you know, uh, how they're going to do it with that, it, it's kind of how you're trying to figure out what they're going to be doing going forward. So Scorpio Sky and Frank Kazarian, I thought they had a chance to win this. But no, it got to the point where Pentagon was going after everyone. I remember they went after Christopher Daniels. Uh, just good match. Uh, Pentagon hit a package power driver on Scorpio Sky to get the pin. I don't think it was that long of a match either, but decent tag match. Uh, you got one for Pentagon and Phoenix. Seattle Miro, Chris, what do you think? My very first note, well, midway through this in, in Giant Caps, once again on my notes, I put Aubrey Edwards is fucking awesome. thought that she was a great ref this entire match. I also thought uh, Pentagon did a really good job of bringing the crowd back up after that Jericho spot and not letting the crowd not be into the match. The entire match, he kept trying to get the crowd into it. Um, this was a really great match. I really, really enjoyed this match. It went opposite of what I thought it was going to be because I think I predicted uh, SoCal to win. And, uh, but it was very believable the entire time, and it makes sense because it set up you know, Young Bucks versus uh, Lucha Brothers at All Out uh, in a ladder match, which I thought they, uh, they did a good job of, of setting up as good as they could um, within the amount of time that they had towards the end where they uh, laid out Chris, Christopher Daniels. But, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this match. I thought Pentagon, still huge fucking star, obviously. Did a great job of keeping the crowd behind him. Lots of good spots all over the match. And uh, Aubrey Edwards was was awesome as far as referees go. And I don't say that about a lot of referees. So big props to Aubrey Edwards for sure. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, I do agree, though. She She definitely stands out. But I had to do my Brian Alvarez impression. Uh, so, yeah, you talked about the ladder match. Uh, that, so it's them, Young Bucks. Uh, ladder match at All Out. That's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, so then we had Cody Omega, Kenny Omega, I should say, going against Sima. Shima. Yeah, you know what, man? I'm, I'm on your train. I know it's not fair because I haven't seen a lot from him. And I understand that maybe the fact that he was trained by one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, Ultima Dragon, you know, and the fact that Ultima Dragon also trained Kazuchika Okada, um, I expect a little bit more, and maybe he's just having a rough time, per se, within, you know, uh, AEW, but I haven't been really, uh, I haven't thought that much about Shima. Uh, maybe maybe he needs to grow on me more. I understand he's contributed a lot towards China and, and, and mixing Shaolin Monk's styled martial arts with his style and they're doing a bunch of stuff we're going to see a lot more of it obviously but i thought the match was all right but the second time i'll kind of say that eh like i don't i don't get the hype basically is what i'm trying to say um kenny won though which is good he definitely needed to win what do you think i thought it was a good match to me it wasn't as good as the match before it and it kind of hurt it a little bit um I'm also not the biggest fan of Shima. I didn't necessarily like the booking towards the end of the match where Shima hit his finisher five times. 
and Omega kicked out of it five times. To me, it makes one of them. He got his foot under the rope, but he did kick out of it legitimately four times. Um, and, and not that I'm like going to be the guy that bitches about, you know, finishers, like using finishers for spots, but five times is ridiculous. Even for like WWE, like there's not very many WWE matches. We're going to see fault five false finisher finishes. Um, so to me, it kind of buried his finish. And, uh, you know, Omega gets the win here. It makes sense. I think he needed a win. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad match or anything. It's one you should watch. But I just – I'm kind of with you on the Shima thing. We'll, we'll see. But I I, uh, I don't know. I also wasn't a huge fan of Alex Marvez in this match and kind of his commentary throughout the, uh, throughout the night. So I I'd, you know, wrote that in my notes as well. Yeah, we'll talk about commentary uh, at the end of this because I definitely have a not not as bad as last time. I think they got a better flow of it, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, let's get to there's two more things we got. Chris Jericho coming out, raising some hell, um, talking about how he still had Adam Page's uh, you know blood on his hands, and um, he just said that he went out and just completely freestyled that whole entire thing and. That shows you how much of an amazing improv performer Chris Jericho is. One of my favorite parts, and this is all in one sequence, basically. He says, I'm the goat, right? And everyone's like, yeah! And he goes, shut up. Everyone stops, starts booing him. And then he goes up to the top rope, and he he finishes his statement and says, basically, like, and you can all just kiss my ass. And starts flicking off both sides. Everyone's cheering him. You can see people just with, like, Chris Jericho is fucking amazing. He's just, he's great. He's got it. He's in, he's out. Just tells everyone what's going to happen. And it was perfect. What'd you think? I thought it was a really great promo and it makes a lot of sense that they didn't try to over script it or give him too many talking points because all he's got to do is put over the fact he has a match with Hangman, And he did that. He did a really good job at that. And I think he did the best job he could with getting that crowd to boo him. That's going to be the hardest part with Jericho being a heel, you know, at his age in general, even though he's so great at like constantly changing himself. It's like, do, do you really want to boo Chris Jericho? <laughs> it's just one of those things where you've been watching him for so long. I mean, Ric Flair ran into the same problem, but, uh, Terry Funk. yeah, I thought it was Terry Funk. It's just a really, it's a really great fucking promo. And, uh, hopefully they let him do a little bit more of that because you know, he was like I said, he was able to get the crowd to boo him, just not the entire time. And it did build to the pay per view, so uh, I thought it was a really good promo overall, and, and kind of a good spot to do it in, um, setting up between two pretty good matches uh, to build to the Young Bucks match. So, and let's get to that. So the Young Bucks went against Cody and Dustin, and they had a fucking awesome match. I mean, I didn't really expect anything less. The MVP in this. Honestly, in my opinion, I've watched a match twice, was Dustin. I thought Dustin performed amazingly, you know, and all the stuff they had in sequence, him and Cody doing the double, uh, you know, both them dropping to the ground and doing the uppercut, uh, just they, they, they forced, and this is, this is nothing against Matt and Nick, but they forced him to kind of slow down a bit, and I think they ultimately had a perfect pace for Cody to complement Cody and Dustin's style versus Matt and Nick Jackson's style. So throughout this beforehand, Matt and Nick were kind of playing the heels throughout the episodes building up to it. They were kind of like 
poking fun. Like at one point, Matt took ketchup all over him and was like, "I need a brother." And they did they did that and put it on uh, Being the Elite. So they were building up this whole thing that they were kind of pissing off uh, Dustin and Cody, and that's where the I guess the rivalry happened. And throughout it, you you saw at the beginning Cody's trying to like you know shake Nick's hand. Shakes that first, second time he smacks him in the face, gets a little bit heated, and I thought it, it, just great storytelling. I'll, I'll say this: Cody might not be the most efficient injuring wrestler. Like obviously, when it came to real wrestling, Greco Roman in college, he was amazing. But like he's not he's not like crazy. He's not fucking one of the Jackson brothers. But when it comes to storytelling and him putting together this match, it was a damn good match. And he, so far, man, every fucking time. He's part of the match. It probably is the best match on the card, honestly. From and I mean, it's only three events, but if you go all the way back to All In, I mean, I, I just think that he's doing a damn good job, and I really like this. Uh, afterwards, after the Young Bucks defeated Cody and Dustin, Matt Jackson took a mic and acknowledged that the match had gotten really competitive. He said that when uh, Nick, him and Nick made fun of the Rose Brothers, it was all in the spirit of competition. He admitted that although. He'd heard the legend of the Rhodes Brothers. He'd never seen them as a team because he doesn't watch the other product. Uh, um, this is up Rocks' uh, sum up of everything. But, well, there, there's the ending. We'll go into that. But, Chris, what do you think about the match? I thought the match had some really good storytelling in it. I think if you're used to a normal Young Bucks match, this might not have been your favorite thing in the world because you're not going to get as fast-paced match as you normally get with the Young Bucks, but I thought it did have some really good storytelling in it. I think Cody Rhodes, since going to AEW, starting his own company, being really happy with where he is right now has made him a better wrestler by far, and I think he was really, really great in the match. I think Dustin really stood out and held his own as well, and uh, at the end, the Young Bucks are still someone you can get behind and cheer because, you know, that's there, but you still can build the feud off that. Like, you know, the roads are like, just because you said that doesn't make everything okay. So, uh, overall, I like the match. I liked it a lot. It wasn't my absolute favorite on the card. My favorite on the card was the, the Lucha Brothers match. Um, but I think that's yeah, just going to go back, back, back and forth, back and forth between, you know, Cody, the Young Bucks, and the Lucha Brothers right now. Until they give Kenny a really good opponent, I think that's kind of be going to be the top of that card in general as far as, like, how I would rate matches. You know, we didn't we didn't really talk about this with Fighter Fest. I, I don't think we mentioned it, but at the end of it, Kenny made it a thing to start talking to Pentagon, and they got in each other's face at the end of it, and I think he said something on the lines like, me and you have unfinished business, or something like that. Like, I thought that meant, maybe, maybe you know, they, they don't have a television show right now, but do you think that's going to be a potential feud? Because both guys... You could see having the title because of their popularity in pro wrestling outside of WWE. But at the same time, if you have them in a feud together, then you don't have to worry about it. They cancel each other out. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of, like, strategically who you have Kenny go against next. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a long-term feud. Well, I mean, he's slated for Ambrose right now. But after Ambrose yeah. and after the tag tournament, it makes a lot of sense to put Pentagon in the mix. Especially if Ambrose is going to win. Um, I feel like that that's a great feud that you're going to get really, really high caliber, even potentially five-star matches out of with Pentagon and Kenny Omega for sure. God, that'd be so awesome. All right. So after the promo was interrupted, uh, you know, by 
uh, Shad Khan, Brandy Rhodes, Kenny Omega, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, along with representatives from the Victim Assistance uh, Advisory Council, uh, who Khan presented with a giant check of $150,000. Cody had this amazing um, promo. It was awesome. It was. It very much reminded me of Paul Heyman doing it to ECW beforehand, like more of like a rally cry, like he's been able to do uh, as of recently. But he also mentioned you can't counter-program what All Elite Wrestling is doing and asking for the crowns. They'll join AEW on TVT, uh, on TNT this fall. Huge cheers. That's where the show should have ended. They didn't even know that they were – they kept on asking before this, while this was going on, are we off air? I think we're off air. Oh, well. And they kept on going. So then to even make it a little bit more awkward, if it ended there, it would be fine. But then they Cody passes it to Kenny because Kenny's usually the one who finishes it. One problem, though. This is about gun violence. Kenny's ending thing is goodbye, goodnight, and then he shoots his gun, and he had to, like, go boing or whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it, it got a little bit to a clusterfuck. This will kind of go into what I'm going to talk about after this. Um, some of the things I noticed, good and bad, with the production of, of itself. But, Chris, what do you think specifically about this ending of them going out with Cody's you know, promo, then presenting the check, and then Kenny – awkwardly ending trying to censor his classic uh goodbye phrase yeah i mean they still have a, a, a few production problems that they're cleaning up here and there and uh you know i think the way kenny went about it was fine he obviously didn't expect them to be on air and that's probably why they were asking so that he, he they're not going to start chanting boing next time he does goodbye and goodnight but i don't think this is the fan base that's going to do that anyways um, so I was fine with it, and it was a very sweet moment. Obviously, 150,000 to charity. Uh, the mention of them trying to counterprogram them, which is exactly what they like, what WWE did without a single doubt. Um, which I still think WWE, if they would have just matched whatever the donation was, it would have been a lot less of a bad thing and kind of put WWE in a better light, even if they were going to do counterprogramming. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought this was really nice. Also, Kenny donating ten thousand dollars of his own money to add on to the charity, and a, a few of the other guys as well. I thought was a really, really cool moment. In Pretty awesome. Yeah, I think Khan donated twenty five thousand dollars, and a couple of other people donated, you know, five thousand dollars. And the entire house, uh, everything they brought in at this show, as far as ticket sales goes, went straight to charity, which was really, really cool and and good to see from a wrestling company. I completely agree, man. All right, so kind of going off of that, um, I'll say that I love the look of the whole set, and I kind of see visually with this show and the last one um, and the one before that, kind of like thinking in my head how they're going to structure a TV show. I love the arena, and with Chris Chris Jericho, he was on Collider Live uh, two days ago, and he was talking about – or maybe this is yesterday. He was talking about how – at first, and I've heard Tony say the same thing, they're going to try to, like, just pack out, like, 5,000 arenas, you know, while they're traveling and stuff like that and doing their shows. And the bigger arenas will be for the pay-per-views, but it's not even about being realistic. They just they would rather pack a smaller venue and then collectively keep on getting bigger as they go, which I think is a smart way of doing it. The arena right there, I think, should be the first show, should be in Jacksonville at that arena. I think that was a very cool-looking arena. I liked the build of it. I was very impressed by that. Um, production, uh, cinematography-wise, I thought it was great. I think a lot of the shots were awesome. 
Um, the stuff at the ending was definitely, I mean, I think All In they had this problem, but that was it. And that was because they just took too much time. Uh, but, you know, they'll get better at that. Them not knowing if they're on TV, it's like, it's whatever. Some people like to fucking make a big deal of nothing. Commentary. Alex Marvez, I think, should be backstage interviewing. Um, I would rather Conrad Thompson do that because he's got a great voice. He's like 6'4". He knows all the wrestlers and uh, is very personable to his interviews. But he has a job in real life, and I get it. And that's why he does, like, all the stuff that's, like, pre, you know, whatever. Uh, Alex, so he could be a backstage interview. I just – he was trying to, like, add a little bit of edge tonight, like uh, like kind of being the funny guy. And it's like you had a groove that was really good with Jim and and uh, and um, whatever the hell luchador guy. I forgot what his Ex- name Excalibur. is. Excalibur. Excalibur. They, I think they were having a good flow. I think Alex just tried to get in there. I, I felt bad. It was like Jr. was uh, JBL. <laughs> just kept on swatting Michael Cole, if you will, with Alex. Like just cutting him off and like basically saying like that was dumb. You understand what you said was really stupid. But not saying it like that. And maybe it was just joking, you know, back and forthness. But I thought it was a hell of a lot better than the last time. And a lot of people were just burying the shit out of it. Eh, I think they'll get better. I would rather just be the two of them. And that's it. And maybe they have, like, a guest come in for pay-per-views. Like, and, and, and do it with them. Maybe Nick Aldis comes in, the NWA champion. Or, or like I said, CM Punk. Or, or someone else like that. Tony Schiavone does one show with them. They could do something like that. But two-man, I think the two of them would really work well off each other. And they don't really necessarily need a heel person. Alex is not a fucking heel announcer anyways. Uh, I, I hate saying that because I know that people called for his blood the last time. But it was noticeable. But, yeah, that was what I thought. I thought the show was pretty damn good. Um, I thought all the matches were pretty solid. Uh, Chris, overall thoughts of the show and, and anything with involving the commentary, the production, the look, the arena, what would you think? Well, some of the production stuff was on BR Live, like not being able to turn off subtitles during one of the matches, um, some of the matches cutting it oh, out yeah. repeatedly for me. Um, I liked the, the entrance ramp being straight to the ring. I thought that was a cool callback to some early WCW and early uh, all Japan and new Japan stuff where they would do that with the ramp. It, it gave them the ability to do cool spots. I thought the arena itself looks better at night than it did during the day, but it was still really, really cool overall. Um, camera work was fine. There was a couple spots they missed. They'll get better at that as they go. And uh, the timing, of course, at the end, like we, like we already noted was a little bit of a problem. Alex Marvez to me is, the opposite of what AEW should be doing with an announcer, because to me, he just sounds like a Tom Phillips or, or Michael Cole. It's like, he just listened to them and that's how he thinks announcing should be. And he's to me, he just he sticks out like a sore thumb on their announcing team. And I'm not trying to bury him and maybe he will get better. Cause I think he was better this show, but uh, so far out of the three that I've watched, he's been my least favorite piece of the commentating team. And not to mention he wasn't on the last one, and that's what I, where I think they've had the best commentary uh, was with that other gentleman that joined them. But, yeah, either way, AEW, another paper for you. Their big one's coming up. Really excited. And then the TV deal. Let's move on to Evolve 131, the 10th anniversary. All right, so I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember these first two matches. I'm looking at Chris, on my list, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to I'm going to go with it. Uh, I'll, I'll announce them and I'll pass it to you And uh, we'll, we'll go from there 
I really thought the first match had Ruiz in it for some reason. I'm like, that's not the first one. Anyways, Josh Briggs went against Anthony Green. Briggs pinned, or yeah, Briggs pinned Green after hitting the M6. What did you think about this match, Chris? I thought it was a really decent match, especially as far as an opener goes. Um, there were some cool spots. There was Green missing a 450 and getting thrown into the the corner and then hitting an enziguri and pulling a, a, a schoolboy into the buckle that I thought was really cool. Um, right now I know Evolve is like super into Briggs. So they're giving him a little bit of a push, but green seemed like he was a little more over in the match with more of with his gimmick at least. Uh, but overall I thought it was a pretty good opening match. I don't know a ton about either of these guys. The end of this match um, did become a little bit of, let's see who can do the coolest moves. That would be kind of my only uh, criticism, but I, I did think that was, was pretty good overall as far as the match goes, and especially as an opening match. And uh, Absolutely. just before we get into the next one, I will say the Evolve history package with uh, Cesaro or uh, Claudio Castanolia, Castanolia, I should say, Tony Nese, Ricochet, Daniel Bryanson. Um, I thought that was really, really cool to see them kind of talk about their experiences in Evolve and, and how much it meant to them. I thought that was a good build into the show right off the bat. It, it seems to be a hidden gem because I know a little bit of Evolve from the last, like, two years, but not – I didn't know that deep of history of, like, how many people really, you know. So before we go into this, kind of I'm, I'm going to assume – Gabe came over from Ring of Honor, and he kind of wanted to do his thing still, so he created Evolve to still kind of more go along the lines of, like, the MMA audience, I guess, like the actual, like, really strict wrestling stuff that Ring of Honor at one time was more known for. Is, is Would that be correct? Yes and no. I mean, he he is he was brought in originally as, you know, the vice president, but he is heavily – involved in the booking um i guess he it's hard to say i know jimmy jacobs was involved as well i think that was back in like 2009 so i'm just pulling a little bit out out of my mind i do know like the very first uh one of the very first shows they had had abushi on it so definitely more of the um more of a hard-hitting style of wrestling not necessarily based around ufc or or Greco or anything. Well, more more well, of what Ring of Honor was circa 2005, that, 2006. That's 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 what I was saying. Maybe I worded it wrong. Where they they were going for the crowd that would more want the actual physical wrestling as opposed to the sports entertainment, like that crowd during that time period that liked to watch UFC, if you will, like not necessarily MMA based. Yeah, I mean, like, their very first, like, show, the main event, I believe, was Davey Richards versus Abushi, if that speaks more oh, than the wow. kind of style that they were going for. Holy so shit, they, I kind of want to watch that now. Yeah, they've had a ton of people come through here, and uh, Gabe's done a really good job with it. If you if you want more detail on this, for anyone listening, check out The uh, the Wrestlers. It's a Canadian documentary series that I believe it came on in Canada, but now it's available on Vice TV. But they do a specific one about Evolve Wrestling, um, Austin Theories okay. in it, but also Gabe Sapolsky kind of talks about uh, Evolve in general and, and how he books shows and stuff, which is it's very, very entertaining. Very good watch. And if people didn't know, Sapolsky is one of the main guys that started Ring of Honor, 
correct? Yeah, he also worked under Paul Heyman. He's kind of got his teeth under there. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. There's a there's a ton ton to that Sapolsky's done in the wrestling business. I mean, he's been active since '93, but uh, yeah, just a ton of ton of stuff there. And he he he's also won Best Booker for like three years from Wrestling Observer. So if that tells you anything, like being Best Booker, Damn. considering you know the people that were out there booking during that time period, he is a He's a big name in wrestling, and in, uh, to me, does a great job in Evolve of getting people to to the next level, obviously, with some of the names that have passed through here. Um, even one of the most recent ones being Drew McIntyre, whose career was, to me, on a downslide after he left WWE without uh, yep. originally. Yeah, I definitely agree. I enjoyed that video package for sure. I'm going to go check out that episode. Um, that's, a, that's the same series that did the, the Darby Allen episode and stuff that you told me about. Yeah, they did the Darby Allen episode. They did a, a Witch Catch episode, which is based in um, the Congo, which is about voodoo wrestling. This was really, really cool. They've uh, done a CZW hardcore episode. It's just it's basically a bunch of different types of wrestling. Um, they did an MVP episode, which is about Montelius uh, Porter, former you know former stars you would know him in, in WWE and in New Japan as MVP. It's just a really good watch. I recommend watching that entire series, but specifically the Sapolsky one was very interesting and you kind of get more insight into one of their top stars right now, Austin Theory, who we'll get to talk about a little later in the show. Let's let's get it. All right. So Steppenwolf uh defeated Kurt Stallion, Harlem Bravado, and Sean Maluda. I think I do remember part of this match. Uh, and I remember Harlem Bravado really standing out. Wolf hit a 450 splash on Harlem Bravado for the pin. Chris, what did you think about this match? Full away. I was a little bit surprised Kurt Stallion didn't go over in this match just because he has a match against Matt Riddle the very next day because they did two events back-to-back. Um, but I thought the match itself was really, really good. Uh, uh, Stephen Wolf or Stephen Wolf, it's the first time I had seen him uh, wrestle in a long time. And uh, I, I felt that he had a really cool spot where he did like a six one nine fake into a just amazing clothesline um, on Malata, and then Bravado immediately hit him with like a Death Valley driver off uh, afterwards. That would be my one big spot of the match, like as far as like a cool last sequence goes. But it was a, a good follow up to a, a good opening match, in my opinion. This the show this show itself, I thought was while not necessarily knowing all of the gimmicks and everything, I thought the show was a little better than the AEW show just because there was some stuff in the AEW show that I, as far as matches go that I, I wasn't as high on, but uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed this show for the first two matches specifically. Uh, The next match, which is the one I remember, Arthur Ruiz or Arthur. I can't remember. He was on NXT not too long ago, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Because he reminds me of, like, a Brazilian, like, you know, MMA fighter, the way that he he does his thing, but he's incorporating that into professional wrestling, and his style is very different, and his look is very intimidating. And he went against Anthony Henry, and they had a badass match, and Ruiz hit a reverse roundhouse kick uh, to pin Henry. And I think he's going to be on NXT tonight. I'm almost positive again, so... I'm looking to see that guy get pushed because he's, he seems like a very interesting uh, fighter to throw in the mix, especially like in a platform like NXT. Not sure about the main card, but, you know, I, I was definitely impressed. I only saw the guy one time beforehand. Chris, what do you think about this match? I thought it was a really, really good match. 
I think it was a little slow following probably the opening two, but it was definitely a different style. Um, it re- reminded me of some of, you know, some of the things that Riddle did when he wasn't involved. I did like the, you know, the fact that one guy was wrestling in a gi, which I, t- I found, I think that was Arturo, was it Arturo uh, Ruiz that wrestled in the gi? Or was that Anthony I Henry? I think so. Uh, let me no, no, it up real quick. Ruiz did. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, and overall, it was a good match. It was just a, a very big change up in the middle of their show. But I think that was good because it slowed it down a little bit, headed into the female match. Um, so I can't, you know, crap on it too hard. It it wasn't my favorite of the first three matches, but it wasn't a bad match and definitely worth watching. Um, I like Arturo, uh, Arturo as well. I thought like the the gimmick with the gi is good and, and the more MMA kind of attitude towards wrestling, I, I think goes a long way right now, especially with people like Matt Riddle and Tom Waller out there showing that you can, take that to the next level also incorporated into wrestling in a better way. And hopefully he takes, you know, the kind of the stuff he's doing now and just does more with it. And uh, if he's going to be in NXT, maybe someone like Riddle can help coach him uh, even more well, to get him up to that next level. Well, he might not get a chance to coach him tonight because uh, tonight on NXT, our thorough Ruiz will be going against Matt Riddle. So weird that we talked about that, but I remember hearing that he was going against someone. Uh, well, see, up. that's that's but that's the best coaching you can get is get in the ring and have little stretcher ass. I guess I don't like beat the shit yeah, out of you for seriously. Four minutes. Let, let, it, let him. They're going to beat the crap out of each other because I'm assuming they they've squared off before. Um, this next match, I was really impressed by uh, one of the ladies. Nothing against the other one, but uh, Brandy Lauren went against uh, Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi Blackheart, like they both beat the shit out of each other, but she was. A badass, I felt like, in this match. She had a cool look to her. Uh, she was pinned after taking, like, a plethora of kendo fucking stick shots. Uh, and, I mean, Brady had help from another uh, female that was there. Uh, didn't really know her that well. I think her, wait, her name's Nat- Natalia Markova. So she had help, but um, it was a no-DQ match. Hey, no no disqualification, so you can't, you, she can't get mad at her for being smart, but I really uh, liked Shotzi uh, Blackheart. thought she had a cool look. Chris, what do you think? I like Shotzi a lot as well. She did do some unnecessary shit, like as far as hitting posts, uh, kind of some of the things that she did with her head, which I don't necessarily care for as much because I don't want her to give herself a concussion. But it was a fun match and a good breakup uh, once again. Um, the show had a little bit of everything on it. Which, which I appreciate. And some of that is just how Gabe Sapolsky likes to book his shows. This was a fun match overall. Um, great. Obviously, not it wasn't my favorite match of the night or anything, but worth a watch. And, uh, yeah, Shotzi does have a great look. I just wanted to calm down a little bit on being extreme, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, she got pretty fucked up. I saw the after pictures. Her face was all just messed up and bleeding. Um, anyways, so then we had another match. So I found out who Baba Tunde is. He was the gentleman that was in the, uh, giant, amazing, uh, Royal Rumble, whatever the fuck it was called in Saudi Arabia. He squared off against, um, Braun Strowman. No one really knew who he was. Well, he's actually a wrestler that's been developing over at Evolve. And he went against Steve Carino's son, Colby Carino. And I mean, it was, 
a squash match, basically. Like, he gave Steve some offense, but nothing did anything to him. And finally, he beat him, I believe, with a splash. Um, yeah. And uh, afterwards, uh, Eddie Kingston's group came out and talked shit to him. So I don't know exactly what's going on because I don't keep up with every episode of Evolve and their storyline. But I'm assuming that him and uh, Joe Gacy are going to be crossing paths with Baba Tunde. Uh, Chris, you were surprised, and I kind of was too, that, you know, it would put Chris Carino, or Colby Carino, I should say, in this position, or even have him get squashed. Uh, what did you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, it was a little surprising. Not not from Colby Carino's... I, well, being that it was in Philly, it was surprising that it was as much of a squash match as it was. And I think, like, the Observer compared it to, like, uh, Chris Carino's first match against Balls Mahane, which was just, like, a straight squash as well. Um not a big deal. I mean, it, it was a, it was good for what it was. Obviously, you didn't get to see Colby Carino do anything special, but it put over Babatunde, and he, I mean, he looks like a monster, and that's what they were going for. So, if the, you know, if that's where you're booking the match and that's what you want, it broke up the show a little bit. Like I said, right now the show has a really good flow to it, and you know, having a squash match here didn't really hurt it at all. Um, I want to see more of, of, of Colby Carino because I haven't caught a ton of his matches. But I'm interested if he's going to be doing, you know, the old school heel thing similar to Steve. And I think there's, you know, some talent there, obviously, with, with training. And the fact that, that Steve was involved with NXT, I don't know if he still is. But hopefully they're able to do more with him going forward. But, uh, yeah, not a bad match overall. Just well, is what it is. It was a squash. And then we had a tag match. We had the tag champs, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy, the unwanted, going against AR Fox. Uh, legendary badass wrestling trainer over here in uh, in Georgia, um, Southern Honor Wrestling. Um, but him and Leon Ruff went against uh, Kingston and Gacy, and they actually won. It was a pretty damn good uh, tag match. Uh, Air Fox won with a 450 splash to Kingston after Ruff put Gacy through a table on the outside. After the match, both men had a big celebration in the ring. Uh, pretty awesome. I was happy to see A.R. Fox, who I know, who has trained people I actually know, um, you know, him get a win over here with uh, Leon Ruff and be the new champions. And Eddie Kingston's actually a very – he's a damn good heel, like, that a lot of people don't know about. But I would definitely be watching for him. I was a big fan when he was a part of Impact feuding with Conan. So, uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? Are you happy that A.R. got a win? I was a little surprised that he got a win, but like I said, when we did the predictions, I was going to be cheering for him anyway. So when he won, I like popped pretty hard because <laughs> I didn't think they were going to win. But I think that means that uh, Kingston may have a really soon future in uh, NXT, the fact that they dropped their titles here. So that's going to be interesting in itself to see. I thought this was a really, really good tag team match. The 450 splash AR Fox hit still looks amazing, still able, able to pull it off. Um it was this match was very fast paced the entire time. I think it was only ten minutes, and it it felt like less than that. There was a ton of spots, but none of it was like to the ridiculous ridiculous level that I'd call it a spot fest. But I, I really really did enjoy the uh, enjoy the match, and it was good to see the baby faces get a win in this one. I agree. All right, the next match we had the cruiserweight champion Drew Gulak going against Matt Riddle. Um, 
they had a group apparently in Evolve called Counter Strike that both that I think Drew was the leader of and Matt was a part of. So they kind of gave us a little bit of that, the commentary at least. And then afterwards, you're talking, uh, about, talking about Catchpoint. Catchpoint, that's right. I'm sorry, not Counter Strike. Okay. Um, but uh, Drew, Drew kind of like talked about it afterwards. But I was surprised. Um, Drew's just won the Cruiserweight Champion. Matt's already got one up on him over in NXT when they first went against each other in a very long, strategic, technical match. I thought the match was awesome, uh, but Riddle got the win. Uh, he reversed uh, Gulak's submission hold into a bro Derek and got the pin over him. Uh, afterwards, like I said, Drew Gulak t- uh, took the mic, talked about how much you respect Matt Riddle, talked about uh, you know his involvement with Evolve, um, so it, it seemed centric around Drew, like you were saying, he was from Philly, he had a lot, everyone was cheering for him, loved Matt Riddle, thought he should have taken a loss on this, honestly, so we could have had a third match on NXT between the two of them in the future, but whatever, it doesn't matter, maybe it's just for the pay-per-view, uh, what do you think about the match, Chris? Oh, man, I was torn between this and the next match of being my favorite matches of the night, um, but my favorite spot of this match was Riddle hitting the uh, – he hits like a deadlift German on the apron, and then like the fans started ch- shouting Zowie Wowie, <laughs> which was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, um, and then the finish, wowie. obviously, <laughs> which was pretty great because you, you get like a submission escape, right? And then he hits the Bro Derek Tombstone, slam, and uh, that was it. 15-minute match, really, really, really well worked. Not sure if it was my favorite of the night, but damn close. Like, it, it, it'd be a flip of the coin um, because I really, really, really love this next match. This next match was awesome. It was awesome. Austin Theory defeated J.D. Drake in Winner Takes All for the Evolve uh, World Championship and the WWN Championship uh, to put those championship titles together, to unify them. And... Uh, very, I mean, two different styles. Both guys work their asses off. I like J.D. Drake. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering how he's on the mic, but I like his look. Um, definitely love Austin Theory. I think he's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Theory hit his finisher and pinned Drake to retain the Evolve title and win the WWN title. He got a promo after in the ring, putting over Evolve Wrestling. Lights went out, and when they came back on, uh, Josh Briggs had appeared behind Theory, winning the first match of the night. Briggs chokeslammed Theory and held up the Evolve Championship. What did you think about this match, Chris? You were just gushing over it. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really great match between two great performers like J.D. Drake and Austin Theory. Um, They chopped the shit out of each other. I'll say that. Uh, there was a good yeah. spot where uh, I think it was J.D. Drake told Theory to hit him harder than life has, which I thought was a good line. He just yells it, and uh, Theory just misses, and Drake hits him with a, like a huge lariat, like really great, and then a rolling thunder spot. That was probably my favorite like sequence of the match itself. Um, I just thought it was a really, really good match and a good setup for uh, you know Austin Theory and uh, Briggs going into their whatever their next card is because Briggs is someone that they're definitely pushing. And I think Austin is someone that's on the rise. She's been there for two years. 
and uh, someone I definitely think WWE has their eyes on as a future star because he has the look uh, of someone like a John Cena, but he also has the movement of someone like an AJ Styles, being that he has the size. Uh, he's only six foot tall, but like as far as like things the Vince would respect is like I don't know his body, <laughs> his BMI. <laughs> for instance. He's vascular. Uh, yeah, he's very vascular. Um, definitely looks like the an action figure. Uh, but Austin Theory is also an amazing, incredible in ring performer. I know people are probably going to give me shit because I really didn't. I like the Adam Cole Akira Tozawa match, but I. I just it's not Adam Cole's given us such good matches lately. I think maybe that's where I fell off on this. This and I, you know, had watched uh, at this point. This would be about the eighth hour of wrestling, so maybe I fell off and need to rewatch this match. But it, it was probably third on my list as far as matches uh, go tonight, as, as things I would rewatch. Oh yeah, I, I think it's because of how they place Kira Tozawa. Now Kira, when he first came on the scene, I was like, wow, this guy's incredible. You know, for his finisher, I guess it was too simple for whoever was booking 205 Live at the time. But he would do a, um, uh, what the hell, a, a suplex from them on the ground uh, where he basically picks them up by himself. What the hell is that called? doesn't matter, but perfect sequence. And he started doing other things. He, he reminded me a lot. Akira Tazaro reminds me of Tajiri a lot. Uh, just very, got the crowd into it. Um, but you know, he just doesn't have a lot of uh, flame to him. And I love fucking Adam Cole, <laughs> baby. And, uh, you know, it was an awesome match, uh, but nothing crazy or anything to write home towards. It's because it's the NXT championship, which, honestly, if it was me, the unified championship match would have been the, the headliner. But I get Gabe's trying to work with, you know, this is special on the WWE Network. I get it. But that's what I would have done. And afterwards, we had Johnny Gargano having a little bit of a stare down with Adam Cole. We haven't seen him since he lost. And he came in and talked a little bit about himself and mostly talked about how awesome Evolve is. So it was pretty cool. We also had a Paul Heyman um, uh, come in and, and make you know uh, some references to the Philly crowd, to his involvement with Gabe. So that was pretty cool as well. Pretty damn good event. Chris, what did you think about this last match and the event as a whole? Like I said, I thought the match was really, really good, well worked. It was just, to me, it wasn't my favorite match of the night. I, I would say definitely watch it if you're an Adam Cole fan. Um, and Paul Heyman had a promo earlier in the night, I think, that we, we missed over it that really kind of hooked me into the show even harder than I thought it was going to. And uh, that those promos were really great. I actually like this show slightly more than the AEW show, um, but I, I, there was matches on the AEW show that I thought were a lot better. Uh, like, for instance, the Lucha Brothers match I thought was fucking incredible, and the Cody, Dustin, Young Bucks match were better than anything that was on the show. But as far as a show overall, watch start from finish, I thought this was a better show. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. All right, well, I'm going to actually pass it to you. Before we talk about Extreme Rules, uh, did you want to go over uh, night two or night three of the G1, uh, talk about some of the matches on that? You can talk just about the big ones if you want. It's up to you. Yeah, uh, give me just one second here. I got to pull it up. Um, so you watched night, night two, right? 
for I sure, all the way through. I, I, d- I definitely watched night two and remember it. Night three, I watched, and <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck happened. There was so much wrestling by Sunday. Ugh. Yeah, if you recall, I was watching night three, like, early, early ass in the morning on Sunday. Um, and let's get to night two. We'll just start right off the bat. Um go night three night two so we're i'm only going to talk about the block matches i am not going to talk about the pre-shows just for time's sake oh and if if it's a match that you don't feel like we even need to go into like it's not one of the better ones you can skip that as well do whatever you gotta do just talk about Uh, highlighter ones yeah so juice robinson versus uh shingo takagi takagi coming after a huge super junior um I thought this was a really good match. It was a good win for Juice Robinson, who's currently, uh, I think he won night four as well, so he's currently 2-0 and in the tournament, obviously building back up. To him and Dean Ambrose, who are both undefe- undefeated, uh, it was under 15 minutes, but I thought it was a really good match with a really good finish. Uh, you had the pumping bomber towards the end for a near fall, and then Juice used a roll-up and then hit the left hand of God and then hit Pulp Friction, got the pin. But Takagi, I think, is going to get some wins. He caught two losses right off the bat, so that's someone to watch out for because he could make a run. Usually when people take two losses in the G1, they make a run. It's not necessarily his time yet, but he's someone that is definitely on the rise, the same as Will Ospreay, for sure, as we saw in Super Junior. So definitely keep an eye out for him. <clears throat> Moxley uh, defeated Tai Chi. This was kind of a nothing match. Moxley hit the uh, Death Rider for the win. It was very, very fast. It was seven minutes tops. It wasn't a bad match or anything, but it's by no means what we'd be hoping as far as a follow-up to John Moxley's last match in New Japan. But uh, hey, they got to give him wins where they can because uh, I don't think that he's going to be in the finals at all. So I'm assuming he's going to pick up wins and start losing once he gets to some of these uh, other people. Kind of a surprise. In the B block, uh, NATO takes a loss against Torio, Toro Yano. He always gets one surprising one, usually someone from LIJ. Um, they just they had a they had a bunch of spots where NATO and Yano pulled shirts over each other's faces, and then they pulled shirts over <laughs> Red Shoes' faces, or, or Yano pulled the shirt over Red Shoes' face, hit a low blow, um, and then rolled up NATO for the win. So it was definitely a comedy match. NATO takes an early loss. Not going to hurt him at all. I 100% expect him to be in the final from this block. So uh, if this upsets you, let it go, I guess. The big one, the best match of the night, uh, to me at least, was Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. They beat the absolute shit out of each other. If you like very physical matches, this is the one to watch. Um, just just a great match overall. I, I think Ishii will be there towards the end. And uh, he gets the win over Jeff Cobb, but Jeff Cobb's still in the mix and, and came out looking strong, obviously going against Ishii. If you can have one of these kind of battles against Ishii, I think you, you always come out looking good no matter what. But this would, uh, out of all the matches of this night, the, the, this one and the next one would be the two that I watched. The following was uh, Goto versus Jay White. Um, Goto defeated Jay White. And it was a 21-minute match running at the very, very end. And uh, 
yeah, Goto hit GTR for the win. Told a really good story. White and Goto have been back and forth, kind of in storyline for a while. Uh, not recently, but they do have a history together. So this was fun. There was a uh, there was a really cool section where they did like a huge misdirection, and uh, White hit a, a Sato suplex, which I thought was absolutely awesome. That's one of the notes that I have written down, and and definitely something to. Uh, check out so coming out of uh night two the blocks stand as a block okada two lance archer two Vale two sonata two kenta two and then everyone else sitting at a fat zero with evil tanahashi osprey abushi and zach saber jr which i think a lot of people were surprised by with uh osprey coming out with a loss against lance as we talked about uh on the last show coming out of uh you know the first night for block b goto with two ishi with two yano with two Boxley with two, Juice Robinson with two, everyone else sitting at a fat zero. Takagi, Tai Chi, Nato, Cobb, and Jay White. Uh, was there any matches that you specifically wanted to talk about or that stood out to you, Dane? Um, well, I will say uh, I like the Juice match with Shingo. I thought that was a good match back and forth. Um, I really do like Juice Robinson. He's a good baby face. Shingo is interesting. Um, John Moxley in Tai Chi, I'll just say that I thought it was uh, pretty out of character in a cool way, the way they booked it, where Tai Chi came after Moxley in the audience and started bringing a hardcore brawl to him. I don't like Tai Chi at all. I, I don't get him. But I thought that was actually a cool thing that they did in that match. I do love – dude, I know I, I give I give so much shit about silly wrestling, but for some reason, Yano doesn't bother me. I think that he is fucking hilarious. And I thought that was brilliant how he did it at the end. I, he got the ref, you know, Red Shoes, he had his shirt over his head. Red Shoes trying to fucking figure that out. He fucking does it to NATO, then gives him a low blow, and then and rolls him up. I thought it was I, I, just hilarious. And uh, Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, Yano always has really good spots in G1 that makes, like, his comedy wrestling um, more acceptable. I said his the match. The way that he comes I out with wins. His, his match. With Kenny Omega that one time because I was trying to show my brother how, like how awesome <laughs> and hard hitting, fucking New Japan was, and that was the match that came on. Uh, Ishii and Cobb, dude, they kicked the shit out of each other. They were just two bulls, and Ishii is just a badass man. He's not even that big of a dude, but like Taz, it's like don't fuck with him. He would destroy you. Like, and I thought that Goto has lost weight. He looks great, and him and White really brought it. And uh, I was happy to see him get a win over White because, well, White's a douchebag heel, and fuck him, you know. doing good. I will say before I move on to the next night, there's a spot where Ishii and Cobb are trading elbows, and Ishii takes a bunch in a row, and then he just runs directly at Ishii to step into more elbows and just no oh them. Oh my god, Hogan style, and the shit was fucking awesome. Like it. It was great. To me, that was the match of the night, followed by easily followed by Goto and Jay White, which I thought um, both both of those both both of those matches those dudes worked their ass off. So high praise, especially because I think the B card is a little weak uh, this year. I agree. So now with we you. get to talk about. Uh, uh, I was going to say, unfortunately, uh, since we still have to talk about Extreme Rules, and we almost have twenty minutes left. We might have to cut out the next night, especially since I don't remember it. What I want to say that we'll do to the audience is either maybe this weekend or for the next show, we'll do a really big imp- or 
coverage of G1 specifically, Chris, um, just because there was so much fucking shit from this last weekend. And, uh, yeah, we don't have – I can't really even talk about Bray Wyatt. Well, we'll we'll try to get that at the end. Um, Well, I will just say – I'll just say real quick, uh, if you're wanting to watch Night 3 tonight – the biggest match to check out is Kenta versus Tanahashi. And we'll go into more detail about that later because it was a fucking amazing match for sure. I heard him and Will Ospreay both. Um, All right. Well, let's get to extreme rules. And I will say, man, I really actually like this pay-per-view a lot. I I had a lot of fun with it. Um, But we had the two matches that started off. The Extreme Rules, um, one of them was the IC match. We kind of figured, I, I said this probably was going to be added to the match. I didn't expect the pre-show, and I expect before the Cruiserweight Championship match. Either way, we had uh, Shinsuke going against Finn Balor. He just beat Finn, so they gave him this title match. Uh, Nakamura avoided a coup de gras, hit the King Shasha to the back of Balor's head, then hit a second one to win the match and get the IC match. This kind of makes sense towards the storyline they're building, I think, with Bray and Shinsuke. Looks like him and uh, Ali will be feuding from this. We also had the Cruiserweight match with Drew Gulak getting the win over Tony Nese, a win that he needed to get since he didn't pin Tony for the title beforehand. Uh, Thought both matches were pretty predictable. They're both just normal Raw matches. What I'm saying is I've seen a better match you know, a little while ago with Finn and Shinsuke than this one, and I've seen better matches with Drew Gulak and Tony Nese on 205 Live. Either way, pretty good pre-show matches. Can't complain. Chris, what do you think about the uh, IC match and the uh, Cruiserweight match? Yeah, they both seemed very rushed just by the fact of how many matches they were trying to fit on the show. Um, the TV match between Finn and, and Nakamura were way better. Nice to see Nakamura get at the title, especially if uh, – Finn is on his way out after after SummerSlam. It makes sense for Nakamura to retain um, there as well, and then you can set up something cool with him and uh, Ali. Drew winning here makes sense that he took the loss. Uh, makes a little more sense that he took the loss against Matt Riddle if they're giving him the title, um, you know, the next night. So I didn't have a hard problem with it. It's just not the best match I've seen between these two guys. That would be my only. Uh, the only thing I would say, they didn't have time to build the match. It was very much like, hey, we got to get in here really, really quick and get it done. So just this is a, this just the the entire pre-show suffered from not having enough time on either match, honestly. Absolutely. Well, we start off with something I don't think any of us thought was going to start. The no holds barred match with the Undertaker and Roman Reigns going against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. And let me just say, the Undertaker was like. Fuck that last match, Saudi Arabia. That is not how I'm going out. Uh, it was good to have him in a tag match, obviously, but Taker looked pretty damn good in this match. He was doing all of his old things, and that's really what he has to do, the greatest hits. Um, but, you know, Twin Game put through a table and Shane doing that crazy elbow drop or taking a um, the, the, the drop kick from one side to the other, the coast to coast, you know, Taker was a badass. He did what he had to do. Roman looked awesome. The audience definitely was responding a lot to Roman. I'll say that I think people wanted him to win that battle royal on Raw more so than Seth Rollins. At least the audience did. That was there. Um, 
But, yeah, I thought this was a damn good match, damn good use of The Undertaker. My favorite thing is the ending shot where The Undertaker (laughs) does the throat cut. You see in the background Drew McIntyre come up. You see that intense face that Drew McIntyre makes. He's waiting for Undertaker to turn around. While that happens, he goes to do the Claymore and gets speared the fuck out of by Roman Reigns. Um, And uh, Tombstone Piledriver from Shane. I love that Shane double-hooked his fucking legs around Undertaker's head like, I am not getting fucking annihilated like Goldberg did. Shane, you weigh a (laughs) hell of a lot less. Don't fucking worry about it. But he got uh, pinned, and uh, Roman Reigns and Taker win afterwards. Get another little passing of the torch moment from Taker to Roman. And I don't think that necessarily symbolizes with the supernatural character. It's more so... Most of wrestlers know Undertaker was the old dog when it came to being in the back and the and the uh, the locker room leader. That's what Roman is now towards the new generation. That's how everyone talks about him as being that Taker like entity. Entity. Chris, what do you think about this match? About this match was awesome. I, I popped really hard with how well the Undertaker was working right out the gate, going really fast. Obviously, not a very long match, um, but really, really well done, booked well. Uh, Taker did look like pissed off Taker and uh, wrestled better than most of the people on the rest of the show. So take that for what it is. Um, I really liked Roman Reigns kind of, there's all sorts of like footage of Roman Reigns slightly marking out over the, over Taker, like in the corner, which I thought was great. Like just cutting smiles and stuff. Um, But yeah, the end in sequence with the camera, like you said, and the spear out of nowhere. And then Taker selling it like he's like, what the fuck just happened? Um, And then hitting the tombstone on Shane for the win. I thought it was really, really great. Like, this was a really awesome match and uh, one of the better ones of the night for sure. And, you know, if we see this version of Taker every once in a while, I have absolutely no problem with it. It's just, uh, just don't do it too often. And uh, Taker looked in great shape and, uh, Drew didn't look weak at all. He came off, you know, pretty good in the match as well. So that, I think that's what they were going for, and if so, they they nailed it. It's like switching Jack to Jameson. You can only do that once in a while. You got to fucking chill with your whiskey choices, you know. Um, that was a horrible, horrible transition and fucking example. All right, Raw Tag Team Championship match. Revival, the Usos. Badass back and forth match. I think the thing that killed this match a bit was the last match before it. It was so amazing. But, you know, these guys, we've already seen an awesome tag match a couple times now. The Revival inevitably won the match, retained the Raw Tag Team Championship with a shatter machine on Jimmy Uso. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this tag match? Really great to see the Revival just get a clean win. And uh, as far as everything goes, the the in-ring quality and shit was really good. Like, I thought they worked really, really well together. Good match overall. Um, well, the, the only complaint I would say is there was just a ton of near falls. Maybe cut out, like, 30% of those, and it still would have been a really great match. Yeah, and one thing, good commentary, and I don't give that to WWE that often, but Corey was talking about it constantly. I love the old-school blind tags that, that uh, Scott – uh, Scott and um, and Dawson were doing uh, back to, back and forth a bunch. I think that they really they really do have that old school feel, but it just it makes I don't know it, it it's a different dynamic that makes it makes sense that that would confuse the baby faces 
who don't who don't see it going on. But uh, yeah, next match, huge fan of. Joel sent me a text and he goes, "Dude, I just got a vibe of Bat of uh, Batman versus Superman from BBS because of the two of these." And I was like, "Yeah, I can see that." But it was Alistair Black going against Cesaro. Um, just oh man, they they worked really well. Cesaro works well with anyone. He's strong as shit. Alistair Black is a maniac. I'm glad that he's put on a little bit of muscle. He looks great. Um, but the biggest, I think one of the biggest things is after giving him an awesome uppercut, he, uh, we had Alistair Black go. He was going to do either Meteora or Double Stomp. And Cesaro catched him, threw him up in the air by his knees, and then gave him an uppercut. Just good shit. At the end, they were both trading blows going back to back. And finally, Aleister Black nailed him with the black mask out of nowhere. Got the win. Really strong win for Aleister Black. I don't know necessarily if I need to see these guys in another match, like a program, but I would take another match between the two of them, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're moving on from this, and this was just a one-off to give Aleister Black a really strong win. Um, I agree. It was awesome. That spot you specifically talk about where Cesaro just threw him straight in the air and hit him with the uppercut was awesome. I also liked the knee bar that Cesaro turned into a sharpshooter. I thought that was kind of a cool spot. Yeah. And then obvious, and obviously the big black, uh, black mass for the win. And obviously, you know, black had to win here. Cesaro's not on the upswing. So as a booking standpoint, he was a good opponent, especially if you weren't going to go like I thought they were, um, with Bray. So I actually really, really enjoyed this match a lot. It was one of the better matches of the night for sure. All right. I'm going to clump these next two together because I care about them less compared to some of the other matches, a handicap match for SmackDown women's championship, which makes so much sense. Bailey defeated Nikki cross and Alexa, uh, Bailey pin cross after a top rope elbow drop. She did. Match wasn't bad. They did. They did great. Especially Bailey. She was on fire. I just didn't really give a shit, and I'm happy that we're getting uh, past this. Then the last man standing, another one. It wasn't that it was a bad match. Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. These guys beat the living shit out of each other. They threw each other everywhere. They looked like Godzilla and King Kong climbing up a fucking building when they were in the audience. That was cool. The, the, uh, the Kool-Aid man bursting out at the end with Braun Strowman. A bit ridiculous. Still... I just feel bad for Bobby Lashley. You've, you've had Braun beat him on everything. You know, it's going to really hurt Braun at this fucking point for Bobby to get a win for something. thought that was kind of dumb. Chris, what do you think about these two matches? Yeah, I mean, they just don't see Lashley as a star in the sense of the same way that they see Braun Strowman. And the only way to prevent that is split brands, which doesn't really exist at this point anyway. So it made sense for Braun to get the win here. Um, I thought the match went a little too long. That's the only thing I would say about it. But overall, I thought it was a decent match and fun to watch. Uh, Bailey versus Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. I just couldn't give a shit about at all. Um, I thought the in-ring work was fine, but just the build-up to it and everything. As good as I thought Nikki Cross was, uh, to turn it into a handicap match and then just have Bailey win, I thought was really, really dumb. Yep. All right, triple threat. Uh match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the New Day, went against the champions, Daniel, uh, Bryan, and Rowan, and Heavy Machinery. Uh, New Day won. You know, I really honestly thought that Heavy Machinery was going to win. I thought Otis was over his shit. 
I, I really like him and Daniel Bryan interacting in the ring. I don't know why. I thought everyone did a damn good job. Uh, Biggie's a fucking monster, man. But anyways, Xavier Woods and Biggie hit the up, up, down, down. Daniel Bryan to win the match and get the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Chris, does it really matter that D. Bry got an L, uh, like like a pin? Like, could they have given that to Rowan, or does it not really matter at this point? That makes it more. I don't meaningful. think it matters. I don't make it think it matters at this point because they're building that Daniel Bryan has like a giant announcement coming up, right? Or did he do that? Already, he as far as his no, he came goes. out. He didn't say anything. He went back. He came out. He didn't say anything. He went back, and then he went back. It was so stupid. So I have no idea. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're building something where Eric's going to do something with Daniel Bryan that's not a tag team. Uh, Big E and Xavier Woods winning it here, and we getting the uh, title title tips touching each other. The threesome, as I talked about on <laughs> SmackDown prior to this. I thought it was fine. And, you know, heavy machinery getting the title from Big E and Xavier Woods I think will be fun for everyone. They can do a uh, some good segments together. Otis is incredible. I liked when he looked like he was going to do this big dive and then just climb between the ropes and then did like a double axe handle on three people. That was pretty fucking fun. I liked the match overall. I thought it was really good. Brian's always amazing, and his selling against uh, Big E – and Xavier Woods, you can tell he really likes working with those guys and, and working with Otis. Like, uh, just recently with Woods press slamming him, for instance. Like, him letting Xavier Woods press slam him shows, like, how much he likes working with these guys and how much trust he has in them. And I think the tag team on SmackDown, the, the tag team division in general, has been really, really good with these three teams. It just needs to be spread out a bit more with uh, on Raw. Do some better shit. They got some... Got some tag teams over there I would like to see go against tag teams over here. Maybe uh, combine the titles. That'd be awesome. That's exactly what they need to do. All right, so then we have the U.S. uh, championship match. AJ Styles going against the champion Ricochet. I mean, is exactly what we thought it was going to be. A lot of impressive stuff between the two guys. But eventually, the club was going to get involved. Uh, They definitely interfered during the match, and that allowed Styles to hit a Styles Clash off the ropes to win the match and the U.S. championship. I'll combine that with the next match because it's so damn quick. So I get a message from um, – they added this match last minute with KO and Dolph Ziggler. And Chris sends me a message on the lines of, he better beat him in a minute. 14 seconds, Stone Cold Stunner, Ziggler's done. After a match, he cut a promo about Shane McMahon kissing his ass. Chris, Stone Cold Kevin Owens, what would you think about the U.S. match with AJ beating Ricochet? thought it was a fucking awesome match, by the way. I can't – I didn't really give that enough emphasis. And then also KO316 uh, says I just whooped off Ziggler's ass in 14 seconds. It was a great match. Uh, the, the the Ricochet versus Styles match was a great match. Um, I, you know, I expected a fuck finish because Ricochet is the guy that's going to be battling them. So he's got to lose to build him back up, and I think they did a good job of that on Raw. Owens hitting yep. Ziggler with a stunner. As soon as I sent you that, this better last one minute. The match was over. I was like, fuck, that didn't last long. <laughs> um, I thought that was awesome. Probably my favorite match of the night. Not because I hate Ziggler or anything, because that is actually like exactly what Owens needed. He needs like those kind of wins. So I really, really appreciated that and considered that my match of the night. <laughs> just, just booking wise. So uh, yeah, loved it. Thought it was really great as well. All right, so we had Kofi Kingston going against Samoa Joe. WWE 
championship. I mean, I just feel bad for Joe. Really fucking good match between two guys. Kofi got the trouble in paradise. Um, you know, he got the SOS beforehand. Samoa Joe kicked out. I thought Kofi was might tap out. I don't really know what they're doing with Joe. But either way, Kofi's still champion, and the New Day all touch tips with their titles, apparently. What did you think about this championship match, Chris? I like they're continuously booking Kofi Kingston very, very strong. I think they didn't do enough with Samoa Joe going after people after he, you know, did the shake my hand thing or I'm going to hurt people you love. And it seems like they're moving on from the feud in general. So right now Samoa Joe is just the heel they're going to throw into everything, which essentially makes him Kane right now. So it sucks for Joe. He's really good at getting it over, but I would love to see Joe get a run somewhere. Uh, whether it be on SmackDown or Raw. But, uh, you know, Joe's really good at his job, and um, the match itself was was pretty damn good. I'm just uh, not the hugest fan of Joe taking so many losses so quickly, especially considering he just lost the ice, you know, the U.S. title, and now he lost a chance for the uh, WWE title. Not a huge fan of that. And also I think Kevin Owens versus Joe is more interesting than uh, Kevin Owens versus Kofi. Yeah. I agree. All right, so then we have the last match that should not have been as decent as it really was, honestly. Um, we had Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch going against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. I'll just get to the end. Corbin hit an end of days on Lynch, really pissed off Rollins. Rollins freaked out, destroyed him with two – no, I think it was three curb stomps after the match. Brock Lesnar showed up, attacked Rollins, and cash and money the bank, and Brock is now your new universal champion. Um, I uh, – like I said, this match was long. Because of the participants, it shouldn't have been as decent as it actually came out. It wasn't that bad. Um, the ending, there's been people probably all living in fucking California, don't have time for you, sorry, that are saying that since Becky got injured by Baron Corbin, that Seth having that to be the initiative of him having to beat Corbin was sexist against Becky. It's like, have you been watching the thing of them emasculating fucking there's a man's man t-shirt for Christ's sakes. Sorry. Heard about that a couple times from certain outlets, and I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Match whatever. Seth isn't the champion. Brock's fucking champion. Did you see that coming, Chris? I mean, I think it's fucking ridiculous. It, you know, Corbin is massive compared to Becky. If he hits her with a move, it should it should be something that Seth is pissed about considering they're in a relationship. It's not anything man versus woman or anything like that. Becky literally put someone in a disarmor and made them tap a man recently. If anything, it should be like, they shouldn't do men versus women violence and maybe not do intergender stuff like this. If you have a problem with it, that's what's going to happen. It's fucking wrestling. Sorry, get over it. Um, I thought the match itself was fine. Is exactly what I thought it was. I think Corbin's fucking pretty boring overall. Um, yeah. They did as much as they could. And I was actually happy that Brock won the title here. And I know a lot of people are going to shit on me for that. But if you look back at everything they've done with Seth since he won the belt and how he's retained the belt, he doesn't come off as a superstar or a champion that I should come care about at all, especially in comparison to Kofi Kingston, who's been booked strong as hell. Like, yep. honestly, Seth Dude. has looked like a geek and won the title like a geek, so I would expect him to get beat by Brock Lesnar. And not only that, I mean, like I said, the Battle Royal, I hate to tell everyone, Roman and Randy were more over in Seth in that Battle Royal. 
People wanted them to legitimately win that battle royal over Seth. Roman Reigns. Hey, how do we get Roman it, it, Reigns over? <laughs> Try to build Seth Rollins. That's how you do it. Well, here's, here's an idea. Put Seth in really bad promos with Becky Lynch, and people oh. indirectly start liking the other no, member no, no. of the she show. She masculates the fuck out of him. Jesus. Um, all like, right. Before we leave, because we get a couple minutes, um, you know, SmackDown and Raw, both really good. I want everyone to know, uh, Dave Metzler made the announcement, Eric Bischoff had nothing to do with this SmackDown, whether you thought it was good or not. He wasn't a part of it. I don't know exactly. He's in the process of moving from across the state. So I know that's going on. I don't know how much involvement Paul has had so far. That hasn't been established. We'll probably find out by weeks. The big thing that happened, though, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend showed up about uh, Finn Balor. I think we're going to get the Demon versus the Fiend at SummerSlam, and I think the Fiend's going to kill the Demon, and hopefully they're going to reinvent Finn. But the Fiend, I thought, was fucking awesome. I thought what they did was great. Chris, give us some thoughts about the Fiend, and then after you're done, uh, say goodbye to the good people. Let them know how you feel. Yeah. I really like the way that they introduced Bray. I thought it was really, really good. And uh makes sense if Finn's going out, you have the Fiend kill him and you build up uh build up Bray. They just need to make sure whatever destruction they do, it, it really sends Finn far, far away, especially if he's gonna be going after their pay per view. Good night everyone. Really enjoyed talking to you. If you can hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Look forward to hearing from you and you guys uh have a great week. Thank you guys so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST on Geek Vibes Nation. Check out GV Nation, as in Geek Vibes Nation, gvnation.com for all of our news, our podcasts, and all of our links to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Hit me up on Facebook at Dane Alves. You guys have a great night. Enjoy some wrestling, and let the Geek Vibes, of course, be with you. Oh, yeah! BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.